Welcome to Unpopular But Accurate, the podcast. After all these years, there's only one thing these two can agree on. They're always right. Here's your host, David and Tyler. Hello and welcome back, babies, to another episode. David's our fourth one of Unpopular But Accurate. Can you believe that, man? Already oh, yeah, our fourth yeah. episode. It, it's, uh, it's coming so fast. We in the game, man. Like, a lot of exciting things going on. A lot of exciting things we're going to talk about. I hope everybody out there is ready because we got a jam-packed episode for y'all. Dave, what's good with you? How you been, man? Everything is great. Listen, if you haven't already got a chance to like and subscribe on the Instagram page at Unpopular But Accurate. At uh, Instagram, obviously. Go ahead and do that. Facebook. The- facebook as well uh the youtube is coming up very soon and that's already getting a lot of buzz we've been getting a lot of really good feedback a lot of people loving you know the content so we appreciate the love and support Let's absolutely keep absolutely yeah youtube's coming soon you know they said we were too good to go on the channel we had to go on a 30-day probation first <laughs> right so uh once that's up then we can get on the channel and everybody be ready to rock and roll and watch us live and we're excited to bring that to you but anyway david listen what a week for the Tar Heel State when it came to sports. I mean, when we're looking at ACC basketball right now, I know the ACC not to about mess up and let Carolina and Duke, the Blue Bud resurgence happen in the ACC because that's what it looks like is going on right now. We're going to dig into them today. We're going to find out yes, what, sir. What, where, where they lining up, where we think they're going to head, and uh, did the ACC make a mistake? We're going to figure this out today. It's like a clash of the titans pretty much. You mm-hmm. feel me? Like That's how it's lining up to really be like <laughs> – yeah, they're they're the on final a game of the season. What you're talking about? Exactly. Oh, David's already seeding programming notes for the next episode. Woo, Focus can't on wait, this baby. One, my guy. Let's get this thing. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm sorry. Um, the Hornets got back to action from a, a slight COVID pause. Had a thriller of a game against Golden State the other night, uh, which had a, somewhat of a controversial ending. A lot of people like to say it was. We'll dig into that. Um, and then you know we let Utah score every bucket from three point land. Uh, that you could humanly possibly make in a uh, 48-minute ball game. Uh, they rained 28 three-pointers on us last night. We'll dig into that. As Hold well. on. Did you just say that right? 28? 28. 28 oh, three-pointers. Franchise record for them. We'll Hornets. dig into that. What's going on, baby? And at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson seems to keep flirting with the Panthers. Are we going to be able to swipe right and set this match up? Is that what uh, we're about to do here? Listen, I love the analogy. That's what it feels like at this point. Hopefully, we can go ahead and get that match. Yeah, we, we, let's get that match and let's slide in the DMs real quick here. <laughs> Houston, real pick quick. up the phone. You know you're going to trade this DMs man. Real quick. Stop playing with us. All right, David, let's get to it. So with ACC basketball right now, Duke and Carolina are building momentum at the right time. Both playing teams are playing some of the best basketball of the season right now. Both tobacco road teams scored huge wins over the weekend here against quality ACC competition, might I might yeah. I mention here. That is true. Let, let's start with Duke first, man. Duke picked up a huge dub over number seven, Virginia, by one point in Cameron Indoor Stadium. They avoided the emotional letdown after that big win by taking care of Syracuse on Monday night uh, when they caught fire from three-point land. Duke is currently inching towards the bubble. Good news for the Dukies out there. In Joe Lenardi's NCAA. We get it in. Let's see, everybody knows Joe Lenardi is the godfather 
of uh, bubble talk and ESPN for double predictions. And he's got you guys in right now, David. What'd you think ain't, about these games? Ain't that some? Ain't that some right there? Yeah. Listen. Whatever. So my whole take is uh, as far as the Duke Syracuse game and how Duke has really been on a blue wave, should I say? <laughs> Recently, um, the Syracuse games was a it was another great showing for Duke yet again. Um, you know, Duke is really playing with a lot of confidence. I, I mean, at halftime, we were beating Syracuse by 20 points. Uh, one of my biggest takeaways from the game is Duke has not lost since losing Jalen Johnson. Not no. one game. No, they haven't. We have been on a multi-game tier at this moment. Defensively, especially inward defensively, we have been looking pretty damn stout. Uh, the perimeter has just been, you know, hard to penetrate. And what a hell of a performance as far as our, you know, our backcourt just knocking down threes. Duke hitting 10 damn threes in the first half. Yeah. Putting another three in the second half. It was a clinic. DJ Stewart did his thing. Uh, Roach also came to play. And you know Matt Hurt is always doing his thing as well. Averaging, uh, you know, about 20 points over the last several games. Right. It has been something to see. What you it, thought about the listen, performance? Listen, at the end of the day, Matt Hurt saved you guys against Virginia. We know that. Not that you necessarily needed saving. It was a tough, grinded out game. Everyone knew it was going to be a tough, grinded out game when you play Virginia. Matt Hurt had 22 points against them. But what's most impressive to me during this resurgence and run for Duke is – They've kind of gotten back to their old ways. Let's take a bunch of three-pointers and hope they go in. That is true. Made nine three-pointers against Virginia totally in the game. Made 13 three-pointers against Syracuse. I mean, last night, the score was only a 14-point win, but it was a beat down. It was never close. Beat down. You know one of the biggest things that surprised me? About what? the game, what? one of your biggest crit- what was one of your biggest criticisms of Duke as of the last couple games? You talking about defense? I mean, you could pick anything. Defense was there, turnovers was there, uh, couldn't shoot the ball well. It was Which it was it, it was mainly about Mark Williams. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He had a career high in the Syracuse game. He really showed up big time. I yep. like the way he was running the court. Uh, you know, getting rebounds, blocking shots, active. Syracuse didn't want any problems with him down low. Had 18 points. Yeah. Uh, what do you put in as well? 18 points, about 12 rebounds. Just a hell of a performance all around from Mark Williams. What do you have to say since you thought that was one of our weakest points? Well, what, He's building a lot points? of steam at the moment. Well, here's the thing. Jim Beheim last week got a little hot water last week by saying Jalen Johnson kept other good players from playing. Jay Billis didn't like that. You know how much I love me some Jay Billis, all right? Jay Billis didn't like that, yeah. kind of scorned. We know Jim your Beheim's affection comment. with Jay Billis. Jamie Beheim, after the game against Duke, doubled down and said, I know a m- lot more about basketball than Jay Billis does. I've been coaching for 40 Yo, years. He got real spicy. He, he, real he got real spicy. spicy. And, I, and I liked it. I'm here for it. Also probably a little salty. You know, he can't take a little criticism. But at the end of the day, um, he, he may, I, I believe in Jimmy Beheim. This was addition by subtraction when Jalen Johnson left the team. I think it was probably the best thing that happened to him. Mark Williams now, who was looking like a bus prospect, is able to shine with the extra minutes. And Duke's kind of found a new groove with the big man in the middle. And they're getting their shots off. So, at the end of the day, freshmen are starting to turn around from them. Uh, they scored 53 out of the 85 points against Syracuse on Monday night. So, the freshmen are definitely coming in and making more of a move. And I think you got to point to the Jalen Johnson absence as the reason why this is happening. Well, yet again... I don't know if you know this, but the last six out of seven years, 
uh, Duke has had the freshman leading the ACC in scoring. Yeah. Just think about that. You know, especially, again, like I was trying to tell you, we were going to hit a stride. And at a time of the year where Duke needs his freshman playing players playing the best, uh, they're really starting to show up in crunch time. We're building steam in the March Madness, and they are really hitting the stride. Obviously, with COVID, you know, and everything going on with the pandemic and different procedures and trying to get a flow and things and trying to get acclimated with the offense slowed them down in the beginning of the year. Ever since, really, we played the Tar Heels, they have really been found, finding a groove and they've been capitalizing on that ever since. I think y'all have a lot to be worried about, honestly, when we, when uh, when Duke plays Carolina again. I don't I, know what you Tar Heels fans I, I'm think. Not, I'm not going to say that uh, Carolina's worried in any way, shape, or form. We're going to get to my Tar Heels because they had the most impressive win over the weekend. I don't care how you Highly debatable. Uh, but with that being said, Duke, inching closer to the bubble, they rose up to number 40, if I'm not mistaken, 47 in the net rankings there for, for the NCAA, which the net rankings, for those who don't know, is one of the highest used evaluation tools that the selection committee will use when selecting teams for the tournament. Duke jumps to 47. The question now, a lot of people are asking, do they still need to win out, a.k.a. win the rest of their games in the regular season, and then win the ACC tournament just to make the tournament? They're asking that question, and David, I'm going to tell you, no, I don't think you do. I think if Duke can pick up two wins out of their next three games, again, you got Louisville, Georgia Tech, and UNC – all three teams with RPIs in the top 50, all chances for quad one wins there. Exactly. Um, so exactly. if you can win two of those and you've got to pick up at least two wins in the ACC tournament uh, to earn your bid, I don't think you got to win everything. So I think Duke might still creep in here. Um, we'll see what it's, happens. It's going to be really interesting because just to, a couple weeks ago, uh, a lot of people counted Duke out from even making a tournament. We actually talked about it right here on this program. Yeah. How Duke, you know, they needed to win every single last one of their games to even think about coming close to being in the March Madness in the right. bubble in the tournament and all that good stuff. Now, a couple weeks later, less than two weeks, we're talking about Duke doesn't even have to win. They're potentially the last, you know, uh, they could lose another game and still make the tournament. So it's just, it's, it's amazing how much of a, a 10 day difference can really make. Now, as far as quad one wins, you're absolutely right. We play, you know, the Tar Heels again, you guys, mm-hmm. which uh, currently you guys are fourth place right now in the ACC. Yep. Uh, and then you got, I'm not even going to lie, what happened to Louisville over the weekend? You know, it's debatable. And I and I like to say that Duke had the best win because right now Virginia still statistically has the best defense right now and not only in the ACC, but in the entire country. And Duke did get a one point win. I don't care how you slice it. One point or 20 points. Duke won. Um, and so that's a really impressive win, you know, now granted, I am a little impressed with Tar Heels as well. Cause I mean, to beat a team that right now is currently sitting in fifth place in the ACC by 40 points. I mean, they just didn't show up. They didn't, they didn't. And, and granted Louisville was returning from a COVID pause. So you can use that excuse, you know, if you're a Louisville fan and they did have two other players that didn't play, but in the, the day, you still got those good players on your team. He, they had a great recruiting class last year and the year before. Chris Mack is building a program there. So you guys got Louisville this weekend. Let's see your turn to try to beat them by 45 points. Oh, we licking our chops, baby. So, so big win coming up. Or big, excuse me. Tar Heel fans, forgive me. Big win for Duke. Yeah, it is. You said it right. You said, said it right. Listen, big <laughs> game for Duke coming up right now. I'll, I'll give you one concern with Duke, and we're going to move on. 
the only concern I have is right now Coach K is playing six players major minutes. What that mean by that is only six players are averaging double-digit minutes per game. The rest of his bench is on single digits. Uh, tired legs is something I'm going to worry about here coming down the stretch because in a game that's tight and a team that likes to run up and down and score a lot of points, that will wear on them over time. So they've got to watch that, and he's got to rotate his minutes better to see if they can keep the momentum going. We'll see. David, who you got this weekend, the Birds or the Devils? Who you taking? Oh, I mean, you already know um, uh, Duke all the way through, baby. So you know I'm going to uh, pull out with the you know Blue Devils winning this game. Do I think it's going to be a cakewalk? Do I think it's going to be easy? Do I think it's going to be competitive? Well, I don't think it's going to be cakewalk and easy. It is going to be a really competitive game. Um, Louisville has a lot to play for as well. Yeah. Uh, and this is what we want to see. We want to see the biggest athletes and the best athletes compete on uh, one of the, some of the, the, the biggest stages when the lights are the brightest and everybody's watching. So, yeah. you know, big players play big and big opportunities and big moments. I expect... Hurt to continue doing what he's doing, uh, dropping buckets because right now he's looking unstoppable. Unstoppable. His length on the perimeter is something that is a problem for a lot of people. He's six nine, six ten, and he is shooting right now over 40 50 percent from the field goal you know so uh if we can get dj stewart balling out like that hitting his outside shots being able to drive and kick out i like our chances i, I think you guys pull it out in durham i'll give you guys a win by four in durham louisville what's should the be final score 77 73 but don't hold me to a final score give me the margin i'll take four i do <laughs> vegas bets not exact bets um at the end of the day you guys have a post game now um, that's going to rival what the Cardinals have. You're red hot. Um, Louisville's going to have some tired legs because they're playing with limited people as well. And they've been gone for 20 days. So you guys get to win by four. Big win for you guys and improve your tournament chances. That's what I'm looking at for you. Moving on to the uh, better side of Tobacco Road. Let's go eight miles down the road, down 15-501. And let's start with the Tar Heels. Last week, Carolina – uh, also on the rise, took care of business with a blowout win over Northeastern, 82 to 62. Everyone saw that coming. There's not much to dissect from that game. Tar Heels just simply y'all did what y'all was supposed to do in that game. Northeastern. That's it. We we destroyed them in the paint, and Carolina picked up a win. Um, the other thing though is who would have thunk that they would just dominate Louisville the way they did. 45 points. This is why it's an impressive, more impressive win to me. It's the best win of the weekend. Anytime you beat any team by 45 points, I don't care if you're playing Louisville, I don't care if you're playing Duke, I don't care if you're playing Western Carolina University, shout out to my alma mater there, go Catamounts, or if you're out there playing, you know, P. Diddley squat, school the blind to death. If you beat somebody by 45 points, that's mega impressive, especially when those people have players that are comparable to the talent that is on your team. That's, 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 that's ultimately more impressive in my opinion. Um, at the end of the day, Dayron Sharp right now, Kerr and Walton playing on a different level. They led the Tar Heels in scoring in both games. Um, UNC's now won nine of its last 12. So coming into that Louisville game, David, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't know which Tar Heel team would show up. I thought we would play well, but Louisville is known for being a good team this year. As you they already are. noted, they they were, are. they're in the upper echelon of the ACC. We didn't know what we, we were going to see, but never did I think I was going to see what I saw on Saturday. 
Louisville just did not show up. It's inexplicable. Like, did mm. they not realize that they had a game? Because I mean, that pretty much was a bye week yeah. for you guys. Because you know, <laughs> they, they they didn't they didn't show up. They didn't perform at all. Carolina dominated, and y'all did what y'all was supposed to do, and y'all kept it pushing. Um, it is really impressive. I I will say. Um, I don't think anybody really projected you know that margin of uh, victory, but. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens as far as Louisville. If we get that Louisville team, you know, this coming weekend, uh, Duke is just going to be eating them for dinner. It's going no, to be nothing. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see how that goes. I'll I tell you what, for, for the climb of Carolina right now, it, it's got to come down to the play of its freshmen. Their freshmen scored 71 of the 99 points against Louisville. Right. 71 points. The other, Dayron Sharp hit 20 points in back-to-back ball games last week. He's coming around. He did that off the bench. Off the bench hitting 20 points. Uh, uh, Curran Walton hitting threes left and right right now. The man can't miss. I think he's shooting like 50% from three-point range right now on the season. So if you leave him open, you're dead. Yeah, that's your poison. And he's, he's lethal. The other thing is Walker Kessler right now, the other big man who had a slow start to the season, has been getting 10 points. Every game, the last three games, he's, he's got over 10 points. So he's also coming into his own being more confident. And that's what Carolina needs moving forward. When you got four big men that you can rotate in and out and just punish teams at will with Kessler, Sharp, Baycott, and Brooks, no one's matching you down low, and you should win the paint every single time. Absolutely. But I'll also say this. we got Not really big- much to add to that. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I listen, listen, I agree. Listen, Duke's got Mark listen. Williams, but I got four people waiting on him. So if he wants to bring it on in to the Dean Dome, uh, we'll, we'll be ready to throw him. He's been building like steam. Like I said, he's still seven feet. Yeah, I still got a lot of problems to deal with. I love the way he's so active blocking shots yeah. down low. He is going to present a, a problem. Don't underestimate that. I don't think he, I think he will be a problem, but and, and props to the fellow for getting it turned around because everybody was writing him off. This Including weekend, you. This Including weekend, you. yeah, I wrote them all off. All right, well, they didn't deserve to have any credit earlier in the season from the Bow Bow Duke was Listen, playing. right now they're showing you wrong. Listen, they don't got they're not showing me wrong. All right, they're just doing what they should have done to begin with. All right, no one's giving them a cookie because they're all of a sudden playing better. Okay, you were supposed to do this. You were recruited by Duke. You're not recruited by you know Howard University, and you're the five star there. And you know maybe you pan out, maybe you don't with this squad. No, you got recruited to Duke. As a star player, it's about time they started acting like it. Moving on to Florida State. I don't want to hear anything from you, sir, on that. Okay? Florida State, as you know, Florida State leads the ACC. Y'all better win. (laughs) Florida State leads the ACC right now um, with a 9-2 conference uh, record. They destroyed Virginia at home last week. They're 13-3 overall in the season. Uh, They look really good. Scotty Barnes. MJ Walker, everybody on that team is shoot. They can shoot the ball lights out. They've got the bigs to bang with Carolina down low. This is just a good matchup overall. If you're a great basketball fan and if you just love teams that are evenly matched, this is what you're looking at. Carolina just doesn't have a number in front of them. Right now, I um, think Florida State is the most athletic team right now in the ACC. Yeah, they're they're athletic. They're greatly coached. Um, they present a lot of problems for damn near anybody in the country. So I mean, a lot to expect right now with Florida State. They are. They are. I mean, it's a huge chance for Carolina to get a, a win this weekend. They're currently 33 in net rankings. After their win over Louisville by 45 points, they jumped from the mid-50s in net ranking all the way to number 33. So Carolina right now is squarely into the tournament. They're not on the bubble. They are at the season in the day. They're in. All right? If they win this game, it all but 
sure that the Tar Heels are going to be in the tournament, regardless what happens in the last two games of the season and what happens in the ACC tournament. But rest assured, Carolina's not interested in resting on, hey, we got in the tournament, let's just go ahead and rest up for it. They're going to play hard the rest of the season. This team's building great momentum. Um, I think for Carolina to pull out a victory against Florida State this Saturday, it is at home. I like that. But we got to score. Florida State's going to have to score a lot of points. You got to score game. some points. You have right? to score a lot of points. And, and we got to be ready for the paint battle because they've got a couple guys over six ten. They got one dude over seven foot. They've got everything they can do to match up with us. Our big men have to be on point. We got to take it to them early in the paint. We got to get some fouls on these guys, and we got to wear them down. And that's how Carolina's going to win the ball game. I'm going to take the heels by two. It's going to be a close game. I don't think it it, it gets any bigger. Listen, than a two I, I think that you guys are going to uh, ultimately. Um, there's going to be a close competitive game as well. There's going to, I don't think there's going to be any really sizable blowouts this weekend. Um, I do have Florida State actually winning this game against Sean. That's just not, that's not one of no hater things. It's just because, that's because they're, right now they're just playing really well. Now, granted, uh, the Tar Heels are playing well as well. I think it could be somewhere in the lines of 70. Uh, Florida State, 62 UNC. I think there's going to really hold you guys defensively. Um, what do you think is the biggest problem Florida State is going to present to you, and how are you guys going to capitalize on we that? we got to be ready for that defense. Florida State has active hands. They have some very opportunistic guards when they play defense. We've got to be careful of the steals. They like to steal the ball. we got to take care of the basketball. Carolina has been taking care of the basketball a lot better in these past couple of games, so it'll be interesting to see if that continues to go. The freshmen still have to perform. Kerwin Walton, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Walker Kessler, can those boys can keep it up? If they can, I think Carolina has a good chance to walk out of the Dean Dome with the W. Sounds so we'll, good. So I'll see what happens. My eyes would definitely be on that. Hey, everybody, pay attention. Big game. Big game Saturday. By the way, look, I want you to note this real quick. Carolina, in the last four Saturdays, will have played Duke, Virginia, Louisville, and then Florida State, and then we finish it off with Duke again. The ACC did Carolina no favors, but I love entertaining you guys. On Murder is Rome, but can you you know, live up to it? Can you well, really, can I think we can. This is a patented Roy Williams turnaround that he likes to do in the midseason. Other down the road in Raleigh, David, uh, NC State, they did pick up two wins this week over Pitt and Wake Forest. The final schedule has Virginia on it this Wednesday. Pitt this weekend, Notre Dame, and then Virginia Tech. They've got a chance to get two ranked wins here and could possibly sneak into the season by running the table. Got to go 4 0. Do you think they can do that? Um, I think that this will be one of the most interesting parts of what actually happens towards the end of the year. Yeah. You know, what is going to happen with this? Uh, I, I'm still actually kind of torn about it. What, what is your thoughts about this? I, I don't think they will. Um, I think they'll make a very, very good game against Virginia on Saturday because they're fighting for the season. Kevin Keats always has those boys ready to fight in every he game. He really does. I'll, I'll give them that. that. Yeah. Um, I think they'll win some games here. I just don't see them running the table. They're going to have to make a strong one in the ACC tournament, and it's going to have to be something like, upset Virginia, upset Florida State, and then maybe upset uh, Carolina Duke or Louisville in the championship. If they get to the championship and win it, of course they're in. But if they can upset three teams on the way to the championship, that could be enough if they can go 3-1 and one on that final stretch. We'll see. Jericho Helms is a dangerous out anytime you're on the floor. DJ Funderburk's been playing consistent basketball for NC State. So it's interesting to see how they'll finish the season. They're on a little roll right now. but Listen, Moore is one of my favorite job. point guards right now in the ACC. I just think that he has a kind of tenacity. He's like tenacious. He's aggressive. He's athletic as hell. Um, and he, he's, he, he, brings a, he applies the pressure. 
yeah. more than anything. So when he played us, uh, when he played Duke a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, one of the biggest takeaways was him. I think that he continues to play like that. There's going to be a lot of eyes really looking on more. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how they do. They got a big test, like I said, tomorrow against Virginia. Uh, we'll see how they fare in that game. Wake Forest, though, on the other hand, took a loss to the Wolfpack last week, and they lost to Duke, so they had some home home state blunders. Both games blowouts. That's really unfortunate for them. They they were on a roll. Um, they got to the FSU game. Should have beaten Florida State. Would have been a, a, a statement win for a program rising in the ACC. And then they kind of just had an emotional hangover against Duke and got blown out and then ran into a uh, 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 – needy and opportunistic wanting uh, Wolfpack squad. So they got Clemson and Virginia Tech this week. Really not much Wake Forest can do to improve its tournament resume. The only way they're getting in is by winning the ACC tournament. But again, you still got to be excited if you're a Demon Deacon fan about what Steve Forbes is doing out there at Wake Forest for you there. So keep your heads up, guys. I think better things are coming out there for you in Winston-Salem. All right, so let's go ahead and get it rolling right now with the Charlotte Hornets returning right now from a COVID pause with a huge win over the Golden State Warriors. Yes, sir. Scary Terry put in a nail in the coffin with a Warriors walk-off win the other day, which was exciting and a hella lit. If yep. you were Hornets fans, you know, everybody was standing up celebrating that. They follow up that win with a road win. Um, against the best, well, they play, you know, the best team in the league with the Utah Jazz. We lost 132 to 110. The Hornets have the next, you know, three, a couple games on the road as well against some stiff competition. Now, yeah. let me ask you as well. Gordon Hayward did leave the game with a re-aggravated right hand injury as well. Um, you know, fully healthy. What do you think is the potential as far as the Hornets can get as far as their heights? Where, where, where's this team really even going? Well, before I get into them being completely healthy, I do want to share a story about the Golden State game that happened in the living room of my house. So, for those of you who don't know, I have a nephew, uh, I won't name him, but he's an 11-year-old, um, who really likes the Golden State Warriors, and, and you could probably figure out the reason why most 11-year-olds like the Golden State Warriors is because... Uh, of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and the babyface you know, assassin, they want to like the best team in the NBA because they have no ties to them. But that's okay. You go ahead, nephew, and like who you want to like. You can like who you like. At the end of the day, when the Gold State Warriors went up by ten points on us with about five minutes to go in that game, he looks at me and he's just like, mm, "Looks like this game's over." And I looked at him, and I maybe had a couple bourbons here or there. And <laughs> I, I looked at him and I said, "How mad are you going to be when the Hornets come back and win this thing?" And he looked at me like I was stupid. And all of a sudden, Scary Terry showed up with 20 of his points in the fourth quarter there. He comes in dropping three after three. And to make matters worse, Steph Curry wasn't even playing. And every time Scary Terry would score three, I look at my nephew and say, Curry who? Curry who? Now listen, guys, full disclaimer, I know Curry is way better than Terry Rozier. No disrespect to Terry Rozier, but Curry is one of the greatest players of all time. Come on now, stop it. We already know that. With that being said, though, it just it was fun to give my 11-year-old nephew a ribbon because he thinks he knows everything about the NBA basketball. He denies the greatness of LeBron James. Um, and he kind of he would love to put Curry over Michael Jordan if he could, but he knows it's blasphemous. Um, at the end of the day, when, when Terry Rozier's shot from that corner went in, the look on that kid's face was just hilarious. I, I don't think I've ever taken much more enjoyment 
from laughing at an 11-year-old my entire life when their life was in shambles in sports because of basketball. So you was getting off, uh, you know, really sticking it to your 11-year-old nephew. Is that what I'm hearing over here? Listen, listen. He's got to learn early. <laughs> in this family, we fight about sports. If you don't come out swinging, you're going to get knocked out quick. That's well, all I'm saying. Well, you know, that game was uh, really exciting. Um, Terry Rozier, I, I mean, ever since – it's been it's been years now. I've I've always liked Rozier. Um, ever since he uh you know really showed out in the playoffs for the Celtics. You know you know what has it been two or three years now when Kyrie Irving went down. He was pretty much Kyrie Irving was hurt pretty much the entire playoff series, and they kept going up and winning series with Terry Rozier. He was he was just playing big time, and I just seen the way he played in the playoffs. I knew that that could translate when he when he came to the Hornets. Um, it could translate to a lot of really good things. Now, yeah. uh, one of the big things that they talk about on a local radio station here in Charlotte, Six Ten Fan, is you know what is the identity really of the Hornets, right? You know who do they really embody? You know what? What? what who's the leader of this team? Where's the makeup really made? And a lot of people believe that the DNA really, you know, comes from Terry Rozier. They embody that. You know, you get that he's like the tough guy. You know, he, like he's not one of those guys you really want to mess with, play with at all. Not no. only is he he's a bulldog, he's a, he's a bulldog. He'll, he'll come at you 100 miles an hour and he ain't scared of nobody. He nope. ain't backing down and you're just going to have to deal with you it. You know not, what he is? Not to mention he can make shots. You know what he, he's a Steve Smith of the basketball court. That's good analogy. <laughs> you know, fire you up, make a big shot, get the whole team going, right? Uh, to, to answer your question, how good can the Hornets be if everybody's healthy and back? Um, well, that would mean Devontae Graham is back, and he's performing to Devontae Graham ability. 100%. You know, that's 17, 20 points a game any given night for him. Uh, we get that. If Terry Rozier can keep what he's doing right now and LaMelo Ball continues his rise up the rookie uh, of his rookie season here and playing very well, this team can be extremely good. And, and how good? I think they can beat anyone in the NBA, including in a playoff series, outside of Los Angeles, Lakers, and Clippers, Brooklyn, and Utah. But everybody else, I, I can see them – Okay. And maybe Philadelphia. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Currently, who's the best team right now in the NBA? Utah right now. Record-wise, right? Record-wise. Okay. I don't think they'll be the best team come playoff time, though. Yeah, so record-wise, uh, Utah is the best team right now. Surprising and shocking everybody right yeah. now. Uh, you know, my hat's off right now to Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, he's playing, you know, Ingles is playing really well as well. Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. Most people, Charles Barkley, Shaq, uh, you know, Kenny Smith, they all believe that Jordan Clark uh, Clarkson is really the sixth player of the year right now. He's looking like, the he's looking like that, you know. Um, so, th so the Jazz are the best team right now in the league, record rise, right? So for three quarters, the Hornets was dominating the Utah Jazz. They were, they were by 10 at the end of the third. They were, they were up by 10 at the end of the third quarter. Yep. They literally looked like the better team. They, they, they look like the better team throughout that game. LaMelo is a hell of a facilitator. It's just going to be exciting what this kid has to offer because he has box office written all over him right now. Um, and not only that, you know, you, the, the, the team just has great chemistry. Gordon Hayward, obviously, is just, uh, he, I mean, he just knows how to make difficult shots when we need it the most. The way he drives in, turn around, kick, kick, uh, kick out shot, make swish every time is, is just, it's really impressive. Now, granted, we were, we were winning with 
with by ten minutes to go with with uh, 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 we were winning by ten in the third quarter. Yeah, and by the end of the third quarter, the damn Jazz is winning again. Like, like in the fourth, in the fourth, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, I literally go to the kitchen. I got my popcorn and everything, got my drink, having a good time. I go in the kitchen for two minutes, making me a beverage and everything, you know, doing my thing. Come back, you know, a couple minutes later, two, three minutes later, tops, and the Hornets is down by damn near fifteen yeah. points. Yeah. It's just like, come on now. Like, you can't just have a onslaught uh, and being blitzed with threes back to back to back to back. That just cannot happen. No. Well, I mean, it is what it is. The, the Utah Jazz know how to play the Hornets. We have lost 13 straight games to the Jazz on the road in their house. Okay. Other than that, they just, their, their offense is suited very well to play our defense, and our defense is not suited very well to play their offense. We yeah, gave up that's what 28. It's Three pointers in that game. Do you know how many three pointers we gave up the first time we played them? Twenty four. We gave so up fifty two threes in two games of the Utah Jazz. It's a very consistent thing with the Hornets, and it, to me, it, it, it's a little bit of laziness getting out on a three pointer. Right. You know, there, there's no excuse or reason why a team should even really be able to get up that many threes. If you're contesting right now, the NBA is a three point league. You know, 52. everybody, every, everybody's transitioning to really perimeter shooting. Yeah. Now, then th- there's no Stephen Curry's or Damian Lillard's out there or Trey Young's where they're just shooting from the logo. You know, they're literally shooting. Some of these shots are just wide open shots. So that just can't happen. Yeah. Well, they are shooting at an ungodly number when they play the Hornets, that is. Um, the Golden State Warriors, in their best of their three-point heyday years when they were all making them left and right, weren't shooting it this well. So, at the end of the day, do I take much from these games? No. It's just a glaring issue for the defense has to get fixed because they were making the easy pass all night. Because we were trying to bog the paint to keep their drivers from getting out of there. Well, when you do that and you got sharpshooters, that's the kiss of death for you guys. So, at the end of the day, we just got to get healthy. Unfortunately, Gordon Hayward went out of the game. Again, with, with this, a, is gonna be a, this is a thing. Re-aggravated right-hand injury in the fourth quarter. I, Hornets say they're concerned about his health with this particular injury. Injury, I'm hearing some people say best-case scenario, he's back after the All-Star break. Um, we got five games until then, by the way. But, it, David, if Gordon Hayward isn't healing quickly enough, could this spell doom for the Hornets in the short term? This is the Hornets' worst nightmare, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is our nightmare coming to fruition. Um, this is, you know, is, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem that we do not want to have to deal with. Listen. The best ability is availability. You could say it as many times you like. It's it's going to be See true. What you, did there. Let, you, you, you like that? Um, <laughs> you know, with Gordon, Gordon here is our best player. Uh, not to mention, we need him to be a leader on this team uh, in the locker room uh, and lead him with his play. I think that's actually the, the best way that he can lead is leading the Hornets. Because, I mean, when he's on the court and when he's healthy, he's a damn good scorer in this league. He's hard to stop. Um, and this is a career thing for Gordon Hayward, right? Yeah. You know, like Gordon Hayward has always had the, the injuries. That's one of the biggest things that, you know, plagued him throughout his career. And I mean, he's already missed several different games with several different injuries this year alone for the Hornets. Yeah. I mean, without him in the lineup, if he misses significant time going into March here, 
uh, the Hornets will be teetering on a playoff spot. And, I mean, they'll be fighting for that 8-9, to nine, even maybe 10 spot without him in the lineup. Unless, unless there is a chance that Melo goes off, Rozier continues to go off, and if Graham comes back and he plays well, that's usually going to be enough to win you some ball games in the Eastern Conference. So we'll see how it goes with them. Up Coming up next right now, the Hornets have got to get some wins. They've fallen to ninth in the East. Uh, they were six last week when we did the show. Still first in the division, but that's not about a counts. game out. You know, about it's, a game it's, out. It's, it's razor thin margins at the. I, I will the say moment. this: only two games separate the the tenth team from the fifth team in the league. Um, exactly, or fourth team in the league. Only two games. So we, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities still. Um, you know, so if the Hornets can can at least 50-50 road trip here, give us three and three. They've already lost the first. Give us three and three. I think that would hold serve. What, Even two and four doesn't spell well, doom. Let's, let's quickly look at it right now. You got the Toronto Raptors at yep. 16 and 15. You got the Boston Celtics right behind them at 15 and 15. Yep. You got the New York Knicks at 15 and 16. The, Sh- the Chicago Bulls at 14 and 16. And right now with the same record is the Charlotte Hornets right now at 14 and 16. The Bulls have the tiebreaker over the Hornets due to head-to-head. Exactly. That's why they're currently ahead of us. That's right. So, you know, two two more wins in the right, you know, right now for the Hornets, we could be looking at fifth place right now, fifth, sixth place. You're right. You're right. I mean, so listen, you survived this road trip two and four. Up next, you got Phoenix on Wednesday night. You go to play Golden State again at their house on Friday. And you got Sacramento um, on Sunday. So, there's some winnable games here. Phoenix probably not going to win that game. They're 20 and 10. Devin Booker, which thanks for leasing the All Star uh, rankings today. Uh, I don't like to see us playing a snubbed. guy named Devin Booker who got snubbed and who we know is going to play so hard tomorrow night against the Hornets. So thanks for releasing it tonight, you know, giving him all the motivation I, he needs. I, I like it kind of how uh, LeBron put it. You know, he's been tweeting uh, recently tonight as well, talking about the most disrespected player. I mean, disrespected player in the entire league is currently Devin Booker. I mean, did you see what the man did in the bubble, in the NBA bubble last year? Yeah. They didn't lose a damn game in that bubble. They went, I think it was like 8 or 9 and 0. Nobody could stop him. He had multiple 40-plus games in a bubble. When he's really on, it's pretty much damn near anybody in the league that can stop Devin Booker. He can shoot inside and out. He can take you off the dribble. He can cross you up. He's nasty with the handles. He'll dance on you. He'll, He'll drive to the hole. He can do everything you like. So, Devin Booker, definitely disrespected, snubbed on that. I agree. And, you know, you know, just as a quick side note, uh, LeBron also said Damian Lillard is also the second most disrespected player. Why? Because Damian Lillard is also called Logo Lillard. That man will pull up from the logo from 30, 35 listen, and drain listen, it in your eye. I, I'm going to say it right now. And you all out there can can say it's blasphemous. And David, I know you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Oh, Lord. But Damian Lillard. When it comes to shooting threes, is in the same category right now as Steph Curry. No, he's not. He is. You can't call him Logo Lillard, and you can't say that this man is a threat as soon as he crosses half court and not put him in the same sense okay. as Curry. Okay, right now. so 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 he he is. Listen. Don't make me argue against Damian, uh, Steph, Stephen Curry and Damian Lillard. Cause I, I mean, I didn't say he's better. Listen, oh yeah, I'm not he's, saying he's, he's better. Okay, if you want to say in the same conversation, he's still Stephen Curry's little, uh, little brother. That's fine. Because I mean, 
when it comes to three point shots, have you seen Stephen Curry? Yeah, coming coming off of picks inside outside. I mean, toying with the defense. It, it just looks so effortless when he's scoring the basketball. I, I'm with he's, you. The man is smooth and cool it in the I'm other side you, of the pillow. But nobody has looked better since the bubble and this season than Damian Lillard right now shooting threes. Nobody, nobody looks better than him right now. And and Big Brother might have the upper hand overall. But this year, I mean, little brother wins some fights sometimes. And right now, he, he's, he's proven his worth. So what do you guys think about that? Hit us up with the comments on that. Let us know. Is, is Tyler crazy? Am I crazy? Or well, I, do you guys kind of agree and think Dame is, is asserting himself as uh, one of the most dominant point guards and saying, move uh, over, Curry? Uh, 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 100%. You know, we, we definitely interested in hearing what your comments about that because that's a hot topic and debate right now going on right now. I will say currently this year, Damian Lillard is at a career high for a three-point uh, field goal percentage. It's currently sitting at uh, 44% for the year right now. Do you know what Stephen Curry has, is, is sitting at this year? I mean, you tell me. You, you must know that number. Uh, literally, Stephen Curry's at 40, he's about 45% for the year, and he's never shot less than that for his entire career. That's not but true. What, what, but one time last year when he only played 10 games is the only time in his career has he ever shot less than 44% uh, from the three-point range. Remember when he was a rookie? In his first couple of years, he was less than then. All right. We've already went over this. Damian Lillard had better percentages. That is, that's inaccurate. Recently. That's inaccurate. Listen, the pass of the guard's coming. Get ready for it. Damian Lillard's here. What Damian's doing as a career high, Stefan has done routinely for his that's career. Fine. That's fine. For his career. That's fine. This is a, this is, this is a one-time, one-time thing Damian Lillard also, my friend, has had, excuse me, not Damian Lillard, Steph Curry has also had help that Damian Lillard has not been afforded. So it's easy for Curry to get threes up. When you got Clay Thompson over there who can knock him down like like he can, when you had KD who could knock him down like he could, and you got Draymond Green who you listen, that's the guy they leave open. That's the guy you want shooting. But even the, the Warriors would have a center on the floor that would shoot threes. So I I put like the it, Curry's been spoon fed threes. I know he's Charlotte's favorite son, all right, but he's you know. Spoon fed threes, man. Damian Lillard's my dude. Uh, Lord have mercy. You acting like they don't got CJ McCollum as well. CJ McCollum is a damn near close to an all star player. He has always been okay? there. Okay. He hasn't always been there. He's been there for the last several years. What are you talking about? All right, listen. He hasn't always had. CJ McCollum is big time. Do not sleep on no, CJ McCollum. Is. He is. He is. He, that's probably. Spots one and two outside of James Harden and Kyrie Irving, that's probably the best guard duo in the league. Tell us what you think in the comments. Get on uh, Unpopular but Yeah, these people uh, didn't, didn't, didn't listen in and hear about Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, and, and the Nets. Let's get back to some daggum Tar Heel uh, right. teams out here in so, the Tar Heel State. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into it. You know, right now, again, there's a lot of talk going on right now with Deshaun Watson. Um, has uh, The Carolina Panthers, uh, he's added them to his list of teams that he's willing to be trading. To, which is really enticing for all of my Carolina fans out there, which it's is news great update. news. It's great news for the Panthers, you know, but Houston is right now unwilling to move him this offseason. Um, so we got to kind of see, you know, we're on pins and needles to see what's going to happen with that. There are several pundits predicting that right now that uh, to get Watson, the Panthers uh, with some, uh, well, pretty much to get Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans right now, the Panthers are going to have to give up Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, 
a 2021 pick, 2021 first round pick, and a second round pick, and a 20, uh, 2022 first round pick as well, and maybe potentially a 2023 third round pick. I mean, damn, like everything but a kitchen sink. It's it's seven. It's a seven for one deal that was reported by Peter King. A seven for one. Um, reported that seven for one. Picks again, 2021 first and second, 2022 first, a 23 third. Um, that kind of begs the question, how much is too much? Um, for me, if I'm the Panthers owner, I know David Tepper, you are a do-whatever-it-takes kind of guy, and you will put all everything on the table to get what you want. You'll stop at nothing. You will be relentless. Please back away from the table if this is the offer they want you to make. Again, what is too much to get Deshaun Watson from me? If, if if any combination of a young developing player and myself and three first round picks is the maximum, I would like to see the Panthers go to pursue Deshaun Watson. How much? I want to say that again. Any developing young player, maybe a Brian Burns, maybe a Curtis Samuel, maybe a a Jeremy Chin, if you're going to get rid of him. Um, maybe, you know, one of these younger, de- younger players that we're developing that clearly has promise and three first round picks. That's fair. That's a fair deal from in, in return for Deshaun Watson. Or if you're going to give up CMC, I'm going to stick by my rules last week. It will be no more than two first rounders and Christian McCaffrey. If you're giving up Christian McCaffrey, that's it. Anything more than that? That's too much. Back away from the table. Let's draft our quarterback in the draft. Since you seem to be hell bent on doing that anyways. I, I, I'll put it like that. Uh, I put it like this: How much is too much, Tyler? I, I will say that you're not being uh, emotional about this. Uh, I actually agree with you as well. Um, I have been here in, uh, in Panther Nation. There are a lot of fans out there that will do whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson. They believe that he is that big, big of a difference maker. For any organization and franchise that he goes to, Deshaun Watson led the league last year uh, in passing yards with over 4,000 passing yards, uh, I believe uh, completion percentage as well. Dabo Sweeney said this man is like Michael Jordan. You know, Dabo Sweeney, the multi-Clemson tie champion in football. Clemson tied. What did I say? Clemson Tigers. Yeah, Clemson Tiger champion. (laughs) Okay. Uh, in football, the man knows what the hell he's talking about, okay? I, I'll put it to you like this. He, Deshaun, get him at anything you want. Here's the thing. Deshaun Watson is not going to want to come to Carolina. This is why I, I have faith that this trade won't go through and we will give up less. Deshaun Watson is not going to want to come to come to Carolina if CMC and Robbie Anderson's gone and his team doesn't have a first or second round pick. Hang on, or first pick the next year or third that's, to replace some of the weapons he's losing. Hang, hang on, that's 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 exactly what I was going to say, right? He knows that he's going to need some of these players to actually go and make a deep uh, uh, deep run in the playoffs. Or even have a successful regular season. Christian McCaffrey alone, like, I mean, granted, now you're the same guy that made the argument that we can do a lot of the same things with Mike Davis as well. You're, the, you're that same person right there that, right. that said that, you know, we don't even really need Christian McCaffrey right. because Mike Davis was a great supplement on what Christian McCaffrey do. I'm on the other end. I want to keep Christian McCaffrey at all. Hands. I think Christian McCaffrey is a MVP caliber player, right? He's a generational player. He's an MVP caliber player. If we're going to make a trade, 
okay, yeah, you can have Christian McCaffrey, and I'm I, I'm willing to even give up uh, a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 first round pick. Robbie Anderson, no. One of our developing players like Burns, no. Uh, uh, 2023 pick, absolutely not. I, I think that is more than enough. So you're you, just saying two, two picks in Christian McCaffrey? Uh, two picks in Christian McCaffrey. That's what make sure because that, that that's what that's what I said the limit was. If if CMC is included in any deal, is two first round picks. You give a Teddy as well, and no, more. they can have Teddy. Um, <laughs> They could, they could take Teddy. No offense, Teddy. <laughs> but, I mean, listen, it's a win-win. You get $20 million oh off the books. Are you kidding me? So give it to them. So, first off, here's what makes me think the Panthers are still going to offer a King's Ransom that you and I will probably agree is too much. Um, they've already they've cut three veterans this past week, cleared up $19 million in cap space, yeah. and their total cap space right now sits at $39 million heading into the 2021 offseason. So – with that being said, they're not making those moves for nothing because they let go of some pretty good veteran players that we've had, Quan Short being one of them, Trey Boston being another. So we've let go of some good guys in order to try to make a run at Deshaun Watson. I think they'll still land them. I think the Panthers are going to make a crazy offer that a lot of people probably won't agree with. Um, but they will do it and not handicap them. I'm just curious uh, on knowing what you got to say as far as, you know, all the players you said that we just, all the veteran players you just said we let go, and Teddy Bridgewater also unfollowing the Panthers uh, as well on social media. Listen, listen. The question here you want to ask is, is it a business or should it be upset? And and what should we make of that? It, you listen, a lot of people say it's a business. You know, it is what it is. The Carolina Panthers, if you come here, there's two things that that are a byproduct of how they've been acting when it comes to any player in the organization, especially their star quarterbacks, quotes on star quarterbacks here. You saw how they treated Cam Newton. You saw what they did to him. They they lied about the release of – they didn't necessarily lie, but they weren't ex- exactly truthful when they said he could – we told him he could seek a trade and made it sound like Cam Newton was seeking out a trade when he wasn't. They screwed him over and and made him wait through all the offseason when people were resigning or re signing quarterbacks and signing quarterbacks. He missed his opportunity there to get with a team that would have been a, probably a better fit than New England for him. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, don't be surprised. This is how they do. And, and and they're cheating on you right in front of your face, which makes it worse. And there's not a damn thing you can do about well, it. Well, there has been some bitter ends uh, as far as some prominent players for the Panthers. You already hit the nail on the head with Cam Newton. You also have Josh Norman, who off his best year ever. Yeah. Now, granted, Josh was you know pretty much asking for too much money. But, you know, the way that the, the relationship ended with that was uh, a, a, a lot of, you know, a lot to be desired as well there. And we all know about the notorious way that Steve Smith got cut and let go. Yep. Um, you know, we understand it's a business, but there's definitely a pro- more professional way. And Dave Gettleman has a lot of uh, responsibility in that as well. Um, but you like to see it, you know, in a little better. Not to say that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be out of Carolina because, you know, he could potentially very well still be the quarterback. I don't see there's any way he's coming back right now. Well, none. Uh, you don't flirt in front of his face, kiss other girls or out there and entertain all these other people 
when when you know you're telling people I'm shopping quarterbacks. You you actively shop for Matthew Stafford. So you're actively you're shopping just going to cut Deshaun him and, and lose that money. You're going to you're going to move him. You're going to move him for sure. You're going to trade him okay. because I don't think if, you're not going to trade him for nothing. You're not going to get peanuts for listen, him. He has, he has Teddy to get Bridgewater something. is not in the plans for the Panthers in 2021 because we don't know that to be 100. We do know that because if they don't get Deshaun Watson, they're going to draft a quarterback. They're going to do, the only and here's the only way Teddy Bridgewater stays. But who's to say he wants to stay? He, here's the thing: the only way that stays is if they draft Trey Lance, who I don't believe will be able to start Week One in the NFL because I don't know if he'll be ready yet. We'll need Teddy Bridgewater to be a bridge. See what I did there? Um, I don't think that he wants. I don't think he wants to stay if they draft a quarterback. No, I don't think he would uh, either. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the question is: is the team has to be willing to trade you? Kind of like Houston's not willing to trade Deshaun Watson right now. If Carolina Panthers don't want to trade them and say, hey, we'll let you get a couple, first couple of games in, shoot your best shot. This is your trial. Who was that, who was that quarterback that um, uh, the Packers drafted last year uh, to back up Aaron Rodgers? You remember his name? Man, uh, his kid out of Nevada, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say it's Jordan. I want to say it's Jordan something. So it, it, it kind of reminds me a lot of that situation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as you know, you 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 draft the quarterback if you the Packers. Not to say that Teddy Bridgewater is Aaron Rodgers because everybody know you know love you Teddy, but you're not Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know you're gonna be you're gonna be dissatisfied. You know you're gonna you're definitely gonna be dissatisfied. I don't think they could do that all in his face. You know every every organization in the NFL, if they're doing their job, unless you have a bona fide franchise player for five ten years at least, you're not doing your job if you're not shopping around and seeing what you can get as far as a quarterback. Everybody knows that Teddy Bridgewater had a solid year. It was solid for a, a first year uh, quarterback in a new program, new organization all that um did it knock your socks off no uh everybody knows that if you did not if you're not solidify your job without a shadow of a doubt that you're coming back and that you 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 solidify your job as a quarterback that you know an organization can you know look out you know see what else is out there so i don't think that he should take it too personal too hard i mean i'm following them on social media is a little funny but i mean at the end of the day teddy you know that you know you that you left some to be desired you left a lot on the ball you know I, I don't care how you look at it. Chris Sims, uh, NBC Sports, said today, and I saw it in an interview, where he thought that Teddy Bridgewater didn't play well enough this season to where he wouldn't be a starter on most teams in the NFL right now. And that's from Chris Sims, former quarterback himself. So a lot of people could call that cap because, you know, Chris Sims really didn't <laughs> make it out to be much in the NFL. But at the end of the day, I like I value. It doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's he, talking he play, about. He played he played the position, and if he thinks that Teddy Bridgewater wouldn't be a starter for most teams in the NFL, I should tell you where the Panthers are heading this coming offseason when it comes to quarterback. It, With that being said, my friend, it's that time. It's that time. Weekly segment, y'all know what it is. Fool of the week, David Gibson. Who do you guys your fool of the week this week? And tell me why. Um. Wow. This one, you know, some so, some things just. Uh, you know, they they really just show themselves and make it really you make your job really easy. You know, this yep. is my job. I love it. Uh this one was really easy. Did you guys see this week this high school player uh in Cam Newton's camp this past week disrespect the man right in front of his face? You guys, if you haven't seen it, we're gonna roll the clip real quick so you can go ahead and watch it. All right. So 
that's just embarrassing to literally call to to directly call out Cam Newton and say you're a free agent. You're a free agent. You know, yeah. you're you're he, he said at first I thought he says uh yeah you you asked like you asked me like you know what i'm saying you asked you asked when kim said like where's your dad where's your dad you asked but he was actually saying your ass your ass yeah a a, a, a high school player who hasn't done anything you do do uh, on, on a collegiate let alone nfl level the way we're not even going to get to the accolades that cam uh, newton's done like that is already edged in history in the right. nfl books all time Cam Newton didn't have to defend himself. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that the kid apologized on social media. He was getting a lot of flack for this. Um, his coach, you know, really stepped in and you know made sure that the record was straight. That the kid, you know, was completely out of line with that. And Cam Newton didn't seem to really take anything personal or to heart. He just wanted to clarify and all that good stuff. Yeah, but but at the end of the damn day, you look like a fool. Come on now. You do. Come on, you man. are a fool. You're the fool of the week when, when you do stuff like that. Uh, let me just say this real quick for all the young listeners out there. Um, coming up in high school, maybe you're listening, you're from middle school. Listen, you need to understand that the actions of yourself reflect the organization of which you're with. Okay? That's never been more true in today's society. This kid was a student at a high school, and if his coach had to intervene, do you think the camp wants to invite any more kids from that high school to the, to that camp moving forward? So you're ruining opportunities for future generations to be seen by potential pro scouts and college scouts who want to recruit these players. So don't ruin it for the rest of everybody. Which brings me to my full of the week. Someone who has never learned, in my opinion, to do things for the greater good of the organization. And, and often asks, excuse me, often acts selfish on the court. Draymond Green. Dude. Oh, man. Draymond Green. When is enough enough for you, my friend? Like, how how many technicals do you have? You've got to have more technicals in your career than you have made three-pointers. Like, <laughs> it is ridiculous at this point in time. Yeah. Here's why you're the fool. And I thank you for being the fool, by the way, so don't take this as malicious. Why do you? All right? Because it won us a game. You got ejected from the game it's against true. the Hornets it's at the end true. of the game. Let me tell you, the score, the Hornets were down, okay, by two points with 11 seconds to go. We had a jump ball situation. All right, the ball gets tipped up. Gordon Hayward grabs the ball. You could argue maybe he didn't have full possession and we were trying to call a timeout, but Draymond runs over, grabs the ball, thought he forced a jump ball. They awarded the timeout to Gordon Hayward. Draymond Green goes berserk, loses his flipping mind on the refs. The refs give him not one, but give him two technical fouls. Unbelievable. Gets ejected from the ball game. Terry yep. Rozier comes and knocks down both technical foul free throws. Remember, if it was just one, the Hornets would just had the ball up one, uh, or excuse me, down one, but we tied the game. Not only that, he's out of the game, gang's best defender. What happens? We'll guess, we're going to give it to our best shooter since your best defender's out of the game. And Terry Rozier hits a dagger from the corner. And that's how you lose. And that's how you lose. You cost the team the game. You you definitely lost the team in the game. That was embarrassing. That is very accurate. Mm-hmm. You detailed that very well. And uh, I mean, this is a routine thing with Draymond. I, I I like to say, and I like to think that he has a little bit of impulse control because, bro, 
You got the game in hand. You up by two. What are you doing? You gonna get a technical foul in that situation? Yeah. It absolutely makes no sense. It's mind-boggling. They deserve to lose that game because of that. Or don't get a technical foul at all, and then you you have a chance to play defense. All right, and stop them from scoring the game time. They gotta tie the game at least. So Draymond Green, get it together, my friend. Please get it together. Moving forward, we'd like to see you um, act a little bit nicer on the court. Shout out to Gray uh, Draymond. You do your thing. I like you. You know what I'm saying? You're a hell of a piece for the for the Golden State Warriors. Just get it together, bro. You know what I'm saying? Especially in clutch, uh, clutch time. That's all we got for you this week, folks, on Unpopular But Accurate with Tyler and David. Listen, join us next week when we find out if UNC has what it take, has what it takes to ascend into that upper echelon of the ACC by beating Florida State. We're oh, going to see if Duke can keep its streak alive. We'll also see where else the Panthers need other than quarterback help next weekend. We'll dig into that. What the Panthers need is an O-line, is a defense, is a linebacker. What do we need out there? We'll dig into that next week. As always, people, even if you hated our takes, we hope we at least entertained you, if nothing else. For David and myself, thank you for joining us on UBA. We'll yes, see sir. you next week. Love y'all. See you next week. Is that why demons